Hi, and welcome back to the Teach for the Heart podcast. I'm your host, Linda Cardamus, and we're here to give you the ideas and inspiration you need to overcome your teaching challenges and make a lasting difference in your students' hearts and lives. Today, I'm excited to bring you a conversation with Janine McConaughey, and you might remember Janine back from episode 121, where she talked about trauma-sensitive teaching and how to support and help our students in our classroom who are affected by trauma. But Janine recently reached out to me with the idea and the very real concept that trauma doesn't just affect our students. Often, we as teachers have been affected by trauma at some point in our life, whether it was huge trauma or a compilation of smaller traumas. And how, and she she brought up this very real reality that that trauma can affect how we relate to students in our classroom. And so she's back on the podcast today to talk about this and to talk about how the challenges and the trauma that we as teachers have may have experienced how that translates, how that might explain some of the challenges that we're facing, and then what to do about it. So I encourage you guys to check out and listen to this important episode. I did want to offer a disclaimer that Janine's viewpoints are her own and do not necessarily uh, completely reflect uh, my personal viewpoints or official viewpoints of Teach for the Heart, but she has such an important perspective and a perspective that is built on her experience. And so I thought it was very valuable uh, to share it here. I'm going to go ahead and we'll play the interview now. I'm here today with Janine McConaughey, and we're going to be talking about dealing with the effects of trauma as a teacher and the things that we maybe don't even realize the effects that this could have on us in the classroom and in other aspects of our life. Janine, thank you so much for being with us here today. I'm more than happy to be here and talk about this topic. So I'm excited about the interview and thank you for asking me back. Yes. And if you guys did not catch Janine's episode, uh, original episode, she talked about supporting students uh, that are affected by trauma. And we'll link to that in the notes from today's episode if you want to go back and check that one out first. But we're really excited to kind of tackle another side to this issue today. And Janine, actually, you're the author of quite a few books, and you have a new book coming out in the spring. Can you tell us how those books fit together? I do. And the three books will end up being a trilogy. And they all are um, surrounding the topic of what happened to me as a child, the trauma that I experienced as a young child, um, which began in a daycare at the age of three. And, um, and most, most of what happened to me from the age of three to 23, my family was unaware of, um, kind of a, you just have to read brave <laughs> to mm-hmm. fully on the story, but um, I repressed most of it. And then, uh, so the first book tells the story of me going to therapy and uh, at the age of 61 and how all of my coping mechanisms just began to unravel at that age. And so then the second one is the book that I wrote um, for my child selves. And and uh, to help people to understand the thought processes of children who've been traumatized and, and how, to, how to best help them, what the things that I needed as a child that would have helped me. And so I, I was a teacher educator, so that's kind of my book 
to teacher educate teachers that um, they can better understand the children. So then the third one, which is titled A Brave Life, Survival, Resilience, Hope and Faith After Childhood Trauma is really my faith journey. And uh, I, my dad was a pastor. My mother was a teacher. I was in church probably the week I was born. I grew up in the church. My abuse occurred in the church, but also all the people who really, truly helped me to survive and to become a, a functional, though hurting adult. Um, it, but, the, but the problems I had that I felt were spiritual, but weren't. And that's kind of what we're going to talk about today. So it really, what we're talking about today kind of comes out of that third book of my adult journey um, before I went to therapy. So, And we're going to link to all of Janine's books at teachfortheheart.com slash 137. That's the number for today's episode. So you can check out all her books there. They're really fascinating reads. She does such a great job teaching through story. So you guys will definitely enjoy them. You got to check them out. So what was your purpose in writing this third book? You've shared a little bit about that. Anything you want to add there? Well, I think that, uh, I think that as I, as I began healing and I began to see that I lived most of my adult life using coping mechanisms that I created as a child, and how um, the the lack of help I got as a child, which, you know, really wasn't available at that time like it is now, but um, how, how really um, ineffective those were. I was super strong and resilient and clever, but uh, I realized during healing that I didn't have to fight to live every day (laughs) that life should not have been that difficult that I didn't have to wake up dreading the day uh, every day that that life could be joyful and and it didn't wasn't so I I think this book came out of my heart of wanting people to realize that that maybe what they think is just them is just normal maybe isn't and that Mm. there's help and there's hope for healing that. And so I think I think that really is why I wrote it. I wanted people to understand, you know, especially those that are feeling like they're spiritual failures, which I see on Facebook in different venues all the time that people are struggling spiritually. And I don't think it's spiritual. I think it's stuff that happened to them as kids that can be healed. So that was kind of that is kind of why I wrote the book. Yeah, what an what an important message to get out there. And I'm excited to kind of talk about it with you today. Can, can you share some examples? What are some of the ways your trauma affected you as a teacher, as an adult? D- did you even realize these things at the time? Uh, that's the thing is I didn't. I mean, I knew I had anxiety issues and I knew I had depression. I knew that, I mean, I, I was on, um, and I'm, I'm not against medications because medications helped me to live my life and raise my family and kept me stabilized. But when you take medication, it numbs everything. Mm. It doesn't numb the bad stuff. It numbs the good stuff. And so healing is a better route, but I'm not against medications. Um, but so I was on antidepressants and, and felt great spiritual shame for that, that, that maybe I didn't trust God enough that if, I mean, I heard sermons on that, uh, <laughs> you know, sitting there with my medication and hearing sermons on about about how I was failing spiritually if I needed medications, mm. and so, um, so I I think that uh, uh, most of what I dealt with, I thought 
well, my mother had anxiety, so my anxiety must be hereditary. I think similar things happened to my mother. I think she was abused also and that. So what looked like hereditary wasn't. It was just both of us and how we reacted to trauma. Mm. So, um, so I thought it was hereditary. I thought it was, you know, I just had anxiety. I was depressed. I didn't know why I was depressed. I, my life was good. Um, I just didn't know. And I, I think that I think a lot of people live that way. You don't realize what you're dealing with is PTSD, which is really what I had. So, um, so. Maybe I should talk about PTSD right yes, here. Yes, please. Okay. So uh, before I went to therapy, when I'd hear the PTSD, I would think soldiers, you right. know, people in the military, they have PTSD. And and that, and really um, our attention to that is so important. And that's where a lot of the research has come from. But in reality, any type of trauma, whether it's military trauma, sexual abuse, um, even even um, trauma, verbal abuse as a child, neglect as a child, any any area of trauma, your body reacts just the same. Your body doesn't distinguish between, oh, well, this happened to me or that happened to me, so I'm going to react. All of it makes us feel threatened as, as children or adults, and our body reacts in ways to protect us. And without, without help, that gets embedded in us. And so I kind of, I'm going to look at my list here a second. Um, you know, the things that I dealt with were, once again, the anxiety was part of PTSD, the flash flashbacks. So one thing I didn't understand is that when we think of flashbacks, we think of um, guys in the military that are reliving their battle. Mm-hmm. A lot of people have visual flashbacks where they're reliving um, and they can visually see the abuse or whatever happened to them. But mine were emotional flashbacks. So I couldn't visualize what happened. I repressed it. I didn't remember it. But I felt the emotions in that moment. Mm. So I had these moments where I would just drown in fear or sadness or depression or all of the emotions that went with it without being able to connect it to anything that was going on in my present world or anything I could remember. Um, it, and so, so that's another aspect of it. Okay. Just like this, it was just like an attack of emotion kind of, you had no idea where it was coming from. Where it was coming from. Okay. Yeah. What, you what know, else? Um, so I, I was hypervigilant. I had superpowers. <laughs> <laughs> I talk about in the book how, how if anybody lost anything, I could probably tell them where it was because my mind literally walked through life taking snapshots of my surroundings constantly. Mm. I would, and so I, anything that was in a random place, I would snap a picture of it. And when somebody would ask me, I'd like, oh, it's, it's under the stairway. It must have fallen through the stairs, you know, (laughs) you know, it didn't even make sense. I would know where stuff was. So, and in the classroom, I, I never understood why, why I, I trained teachers and, and I knew everything that was happening in every corner of the room all the time. I thought it was great that I was somehow like, especially gifted (laughs) at 
to be able to do that. And, um, and in reality, I was hypervigilant. My mind was always on guard. I was always looking for danger. I was always checking for the door. I was always, so, so then in another area, I felt like I had to control everything. Um, with those poor kids in my class. I mean, imagine having a teacher who never misses a thing anyway. But, um, then I thought I had to control it. And, and that comes out of childhood experiences where you have no power. And so I, I had to, I would catch myself trying to be very controlling in the classroom. And, and when, when kids wouldn't cooperate with me, then I would, I would have these odd, really angry moments that kind of frightened me. You know, this is a, I love children. I dedicated my life to children and yet I would become very, very angry with a child. And, and it was because the child was doing something that threatened my control. Does that make sense? Yeah. Can you talk a little bit more about that? You know, so, so talk a little bit more about why, you know, these reactions and these traumas were making you respond this way as a teacher. So, so the brain develops from the back of the back of the head forward. And Dan Siegel has this wonderful upstairs downstairs model in the whole brain child where he talks about, um, where he talks about, and that would be a great resource to put up because he talks about how, how the child, the brain stem is just automatic reactions. You know, like you touch something hot and you jerk away. You don't even think about that. Oh, this is hot. I need to pull my, no, Mm, you just, it's instinctive. That's lower brain brain stem function. Then in the middle of the brain is the amygdala and hippocampus and the, the limbic system. And, and, it is where you kind of filter stuff. So you have, but it's very emotional. It's very, I sense danger, et cetera. And it will, it will, it will react um, to danger that doesn't actually exist mm. without the top part of the brain, which is your cognitive part of your brain, which is the part that develops last. And so when you think about an infant, they're hungry, they cry, they think they're going to die, you know, <laughs> right? <laughs> anyone, anyone who's taking care of an infant, you're just, you're trying to get the bottle or whatever. And, and, <laughs> and the baby acts like they're going to, well, that's because they think they are, you know, they're just trying to communicate they're in desperate need. And so if you think about that, and then you think about an older child that is afraid of something, but logically there's nothing to be afraid of. That's because they haven't fully developed the top part of their brain. So Dan Siegel talks about flipping your lid. And, and when you get frightened, um, especially trauma survivors, all everybody does, but uh, you know, it makes sense in a child, but as an adult, it's harder for you to recognize and be like, Oh, well, that's normal. Right. That you feel threatened and your lid flips, which means your cognitive stuff goes offline and you're just dealing out of your emotions. So road rage, that's exactly what road rage is. Somebody feels threatened by something that isn't, you know, whatever they got cut off or whatever. And they, their lid flips. They aren't thinking with their thinking part of their brain. They're, they're just emotionally reacting. I got you. Yeah. So if you understand that kind of brain framework, then you understand how, 
how a teacher, sometimes we get triggered by the very children in our classroom or the parents. Okay. Okay. So, so you, um, every teacher has had an angry parent land on their doorstep, right? And, and um, sometimes that angry parent is living out of that defensive mode. And it's really important as teachers to just remain calm and to keep your lid from flipping. Mm -hmm. But if you, if you have, especially if you have verbal abuse in your childhood background, that is really hard to do because as soon as somebody is yelling at you, it triggers that emotional reaction from childhood. And then you just have two people at each other and nothing productive is happening. And so, um, yeah. So, okay. So I've wandered off on a rabbit trail, redirect me (laughs) or am I on track? No, this is helpful. So let's, let's kind of recap here. So we're saying sometimes as teachers, you know, when, if, if someone's experiencing it, like I'm having this response, it's almost like the response you'd picture a child in immaturity happening, you know, right? But it might be because there is this this underlying trauma that when when something's when something happens, when someone's yelling at you or, or when it it's re-triggering all this and 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 the kind of more primal parts of your brain are taking over and like overriding what your common, you know, your common sense and your logic would have responded and it's and it's kind of like hijacking over and, and retaking yeah. over. That's like a sign of trauma. Am I understanding that correctly? Yeah. Yes. Okay. And then, uh, that's perfect. Thank you. And the, the executive functions are all up there in the top part of the brain. And, and, um, and so we don't, we don't process well, we don't react well, we don't, you know, because we our our midbrain sees danger a lot. And especially for trauma survivors, if we haven't, like I still with as much work as I've done with healing, you know, I'll catch myself. I can feel my lids start to go, mm. but pause point right there where I can say, wait a minute, I, this situation right here, this is not in, I'm not in danger here. You know, mm. I, I think so you've learned uh, to recognize that. Yes, I've learned to recognize that. So I think that, so let me give an illustration of, um, I taught developmental math at the college level for, for many years. And, and I think we talked about this in my last interview too, how, how math seems to be that trigger, you know, if if you're going to have a kid in your class who emotionally collapses, which they can act out or they can collapse inward, um, it's, it's more than likely to happen around math. (laughs) (laughs) And, and they, those adults arrived in my classroom and I would have adults break down and cry I would have them storm out of the room. I would have, you know, and, and, and I would just, you know, I would kind of let them process through it. At the end, they would be really embarrassed. You know, they would say, oh my goodness, I'm so, I'm so mortified that I did that. I just can't believe I yelled at you in class. And I'm like, you know, really, can you, can you think of when, what, what were you feeling in that moment? You know, and I, I kind of intuitively knew to go there, even though I didn't know as much as I do now. And, and they would say, well, it just, I don't know. I just started thinking about how my dad or my, you know, would yell at me when I was doing my math homework. Cause I couldn't get it. Right. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that to me is a prime example of how 
current situations trigger those emotional memories embedded in childhood. So I think that, um, I think that, you know, many people have moments in their classroom where it's not our best moments. You know, we know it's not our best moments and we, you know, we can, um, you know, spiritually, we want to say, well, that's the sin nature, but maybe it's not. Maybe it's trauma. Maybe there's something underneath there that we just need to go heal so that that doesn't happen. So, yeah. um, so it was what I'm what I'm hearing you saying is that if you if a teacher is realizing like there's some trauma that's affecting me, like you know, maybe I'm making it through, but I I can tell it is having these effects that they do need to seek out help. Is that is that what I'm hearing you say? Yes. And I think that that's why um, that's why I got up off the ca- the therapy couch and am doing what I why I published Brave was when I look back I was just so overwhelmed with the fact that I didn't have to live my life that way mm. and I mean that that will bring me to tears in an interview is the realization that I could have been present for my children I mean I was I was a great mom I studied child development. You know, my kids will say, yeah, you were a great mom. But but then at the same time, they say, yeah, it kind of makes sense now. <laughs> right. Right. And um, I know I wasn't emotionally present for my children. I know that. And um, and so it makes me really sad now to to look back and and realize, did I make it through? Did I survive it? Did I was I successful? Yes. You know, in the eyes of everyone who saw me, I was successful. I lived through it, but I can't say that I lived. A jo- I did not have the abundant life, and I knew it. Mm. Yeah. And I think segue to the spiritual, right? Yeah, talk about that. Um. So, um, I I'm communicating with one of my readers, um, in South Africa. How interesting is that? And, um, and she said, she said, and she gave me permission to say this, or I wouldn't say it. She said, um, no one has ever told me that it wasn't a spiritual problem, Mm. but I just need to cry through this right now because no one ever told me the problem wasn't spiritual. Mm. And, and I think that, um, and I'm getting ready to go. Um, which will be before, so it'll be available at my website by the time this posts. But I'm speaking at a um, theology conference in um, beginning of February. And that's kind of the part that I'm addressing is that, um, that, that our reactions that come out of trauma, I think Jesus, when you, when you study the, the interactions Jesus had with people, I see a deep understanding of trauma. Hmm. I see compassion. I see placing the blame where the blame belonged. I see, uh, I, I see so much in that through, through Jesus taking um, time to care about people. And he knew, he knew their stories, right? Yes. Yes, that's true. <laughs> And, um, and he, and he never, he never judged them. He was never harsh. He, he understood. And he never said that they, he never once said they had a spiritual problem. He he just didn't, you know? And if you, if you kind of dig into, um, the meaning of, 
of what we call sin, which is a multi-layered thing, and we try to make it one-dimensional. Um, we see that that Jesus was often very, very uh, compassionate to people, even even when they were doing things that were unhealthy for them. And really, that's what the Ten Commandments are all about: our relationship, relationship with people, and relationship with God, and the things that that come out of our come out that we do that damage those relationships. So, um, so to give people permission to look elsewhere from the spiritual is really what I'm trying to do. Yeah. So this, so this is really, I think, helpful to think about because, well, a, a few things come to mind. Tell me, tell me if I'm on the right track with this. Well, first of all, I, I know for, for myself, I've been thinking about this a lot lately, how the fact that when we see sin, in our hearts or a wrong reaction. The point of that is to send us to Jesus, to realize how much we need his grace, how much we can't do on our own. But you're right about this aspect that, you know, just praying about it is not the only solution to everything. I was thinking about how when someone's diagnosed with with an illness, a physical illness like cancer, Faith has such an important aspect in how you deal with that, right? Our, our our trust in God, our belief in God should impact entirely the way we deal with a difficult diagnosis. But that doesn't mean that we don't go to the doctor, right? You don't pray right. away the cancer. You go to the doctor right. and, and you and you work on the physical and you you and and the spiritual aspect is hugely important in getting through that. And God is with you every moment. And I don't I don't know how you could face something like that without him. But this I think is the same. I think sometimes Traditionally or in the past, we didn't understand these issues as well. And so we would say, well, this is a a mental thing or an emotional thing. And so that's just all spiritual. And there are spiritual elements to it. And how could we ever deal with that without God? But I think what I'm hearing you saying is that there's also an element where just like you wouldn't, you know, ignore the doctor for cancer, um, sometimes there's external help that you really need to heal your your emotions and and your and your and your mind and the way your brain processes. Is I'm, am I understanding that right? Yes, and I want to say right here because um, the thing about trauma is the trauma um, embeds in the whole body, and so when you go through a traumatic experience, um, and I talk about that in Braid, how my trauma. Um, as a result of one of my experiences, it's in my hands. And and so if I'm going to hurt anywhere, it's going to be my hands. And so, and I've done a lot of massage therapy and a lot of um, EMDR, eye movement desensitization, reprocessing around that to try to help get the trauma out of my body. So even though what happens is that our brain, because I talked about the brain, so that's why I want to stop right here and say, yes, it's a it's a result of how our brain reacts to the trauma, but the chemicals that flood and mm. flood every cell of our body. Yes. And so so even though it is the, physical, it is in the head, it directly impacts the entire body. And so they're coming and the, and the ACEs research, the adverse childhood experiences research tells us that that um, that physical health is directly re- related to what happens in what those ways that our mind triggers our body into. Okay. So an example, I went to the chiropractor yesterday and I have my, um, so as there's two, so as muscles that 
they kind of hook your legs to your body and they connect to the spine and, and be, they're the fight and flight muscles. And so, so they are the ones that the, the, the brain says something bad's getting ready to happen and you need to get out of here. And so you're, you activate, they send chemicals down to activate that muscle to run. Okay. But as a child, you can't run. And so all of that gets stuck in your body. So, so my one muscle is inflamed. And I finally, I went to the chiropractor and he said, he said, Oh, we can help the muscle (laughs) and it will, it will lessen those symptoms, right? Mm -hmm. It's in my body. It's, it's directly connected. And I think that especially Western, you know, we're Westernized, you know, and all we think about is our head and we don't connect the fact that, that diabetes, heart attack, you know, heart problems, all of these things increase with trauma as children. And so, um, so we're finally beginning to make that connection that, that even the illnesses that we have are because of the results of trauma. And um, not totally. I mean, there's some medical, I need to say that, you know, there, there are medical, you know, just by but it can be related, but it, yes. And, and the more, the more trauma episodes that you have as a child, which is what the ACEs study shows, the more uh, of these, there's like a scale of 10 and the more of those that you have greater increases, all sorts of things like alcoholism, smoking, um, suicide, um, unhealthy behaviors, uh, illnesses, it, it increases the chance of those. But the thing is, the body can heal, right? Mm-hmm. The body can heal. You can heal the trauma in your body, and you can you can prevent all of those um, really bad effects from occurring. But you have to realize that you have trauma, and that's kind of the point of this, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, thank you so much for sharing all that. I think what you all just shared was just incredible realization that this is like the teeniest tip of the iceberg. This is such a big topic. So if someone, if this is really resonating with a teacher and they're realizing, man, I need to find out more or I need a next step, how can they best either connect with you or your books? Like what of your resources would you recommend for them as their next step in finding out more or seeking out help? Well, my, my first book, I mean, if they know that there is sexual abuse in their past, you know, my first book addresses that. It's not an easy read, and sometimes it's triggering. I'm very—I'm not graphic at all. I do my very best not to trigger you people. Do well. That's so unnecessary. And so, I, you know, I—I I mention a lot of things in that book. Um, also, and I, you know, self-promote right here. Uh, I post on my author page. My author page is more about information about trauma and childhood adversity than it is about. Um, my books. <laughs> Sometimes I'm like, oh yeah, my books. I'm supposed to be promoting my books, but really I'm a teacher. And so I post a lot on that page, on my Facebook page, that um, is resources. Also, um, the Attachment and Trauma Network, which I'm on the board of directors um, for the organization, and their website is a wealth of information, and they have uh, and it's especially to help people to work with kids who've experienced trauma, but there's plenty of information for everyone. And so, and the, and the main book really the, you know, I, 
I don't like this term because it's, but the Bible of trauma, right? The the book that really uh, help is helping the world is the body keeps the score by Bessel van der Kolk. And, um, and Peter, and then you have Peter Levine in waking the tiger. And there are so many resources. When I started on this journey, I had to really search, but it's really out there now. And so many resources and educating yourself is so important, but it's hard because sometimes you get, if you haven't healed, it can be, it can be disturbing to realize and to read that. So I hope that. Yes, that's a wonderful place to start. So we're going to work. If you guys head to teachfortheheart.com slash 137, we will link to all these resources Janine's mentioned so that you can kind of find them all in one spot and follow her on her website and her Facebook page so that you can kind of continue to get, continue to learn more and just, and just take it um, step by step. Um, And can I add one last thing on my website? I have a resource page where I show all these books. That's the easiest way to get and they link to where you can buy them. Awesome. So, okay, so we can link to that page. Yeah, it's that on. Page. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Uh, do you mind if I pray for us before we go? Fine. I would love that. <laughs> Father, thank you so much for Janine and just her willingness to share her difficult journey that she's been on. And I know her heart is to just shine the light of truth into teachers and individuals and in children's lives all across the world that have been affected by trauma and that need the healing uh, that that they need that they so so desperately need and maybe don't even realize it. So I pray that um, the words from this episode will be helpful. I pray that you will guide each heart, uh, help help with the spiritual elements too. Uh, help each teacher that's struggling with this uh, to know that you love them deeply, that that you care for them, and that you are here uh, to guide them to the right resources, to the right avenues of healing. And I pray that they would run to you and that you would shine um, your truth and the truth of what they need uh, into their hearts. We thank you that you are with us no matter what we're facing. I pray also for Janine as she continues to travel and to speak, uh, that you will give her the words and the wisdom and the right connections that you would have her uh, to spread these important messages. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank, thank you again, Janine. Thank you. It's been a joy. Thanks. I hope you guys have found this episode helpful. And once again, all the links and resources that we mentioned are available at teachfortheheart.com slash 137. Uh, Janine also has some recommendations. If you feel like you do uh, need a therapist, Janine has some recommendations for that on her website. We'll link to that, uh, especially if you've experienced a particularly deep trauma and you feel like that would be helpful for you. Another organization that I would recommend to you, not necessarily for specific help with trauma, but just there a tremendous organization that uh, gives biblical counseling, counseling from a biblical worldview. If you feel like you would like to talk to someone and kind of think through, you know, what does the Bible have to say? How can I overcome these challenges? Um, They're called Fieldstone Counseling. We support them at Teach for the Heart, and they are a tremendous organization, and they do do remote online counseling. So no matter where you are, uh, there's a strong possibility they'll be able to work with you. So you can get information about them at fieldstonecounseling.com. Well, thank you guys again so much. If you've been enjoying this podcast, please share it with a friend. We'd love to reach more and more teachers. So tell a friend. Uh, You can also subscribe on 
Apple Podcasts or on Spotify or your favorite podcast app, and then reviewing the podcast. These are all ways that you can help spread the word so we can reach more teachers. Well, thank you so much. I look forward to speaking with you again soon. In the meantime, keep growing, keep trusting. You really are making a difference.